glad to see y'all today. Are you glad to see me? I want to thank both of you for that. I'm really glad that you're here. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. We're glad to have you as well. Now, we're talking about friends. That's right. We're talking about friends. Last week, we started our series on friends. And how many of you heard our series on friends? You heard the sermon last week. Did anybody get to watch that online or anything? Well, if you didn't get to watch it, it's okay. Go online this week and watch it because it really kicked off the series, and we're going to do a couple of more sermons after this one, um, but it really helped us. Now, what did we learn last week? We learned that people have a phobia. Do you know this? People have a phobia, and the phobia is they're afraid to talk on the phone. Did you know this? this is, I'm not making this up. This is a real thing. They're afraid to talk on the phone, and so because of that, what's happened is that they will, if somebody calls them on the phone, they'll just let it go to voicemail, and then they'll text them and say, what do you want, right? That's true. That happens all the time, and people don't even realize they do that now, and they have a phobia. They have a phobia to talk on the phone. They also have another phobia. Do you know what that is? They have a phobia to talk on the phone because they have a phobia because they don't know how to get off the phone. They don't know, you know, they, they don't know how to get rid of somebody. They get them on the phone. They're talking. It's kind of like when you first start preaching. You know how to get started. You're just not sure how to stop. You know what I'm saying? And so this is it. Just say, bye. That's it. That's all you got to do. And you can get off. But, but people are struggling with that. So we talked about friends. And today we're going to talk about being one friend away one friend away from really changing your destiny you know one friend can make a big difference in your life now we said last week show me your friends and I'll show you your future right because your friends have a tremendous impact on you let your friends influence you and you show me your friends I'll show you your future Andy Stanley a minister in Atlanta says your friends will always determine the quality and the direction of your life. So he's a pretty good guy. I like him, and, and I listen to him. And, and so take that quote and listen to him. Now Solomon was one of the wisest men who ever lived. And in Proverbs he said, Walk with the wise, and you'll become wise, before a companion of fools suffers harm. So if you want to be wise, you've got to hang out with wise people, right? We said last week, if you want to be uh, better with your finances, you need to hang around people who are really good with their finances. If you want to be a better leader, you need to be around people who are better leaders. If you want to get in better shape, and some of you were a little confused about whether you wanted to get in better shape last week or not. I asked you, how many of you want to get in shape? Some of you said, no, I'm pretty good, just like I am. Thanks, but, thanks for asking, but no, I'm good. But listen, if you want to get in better shape, you can't just hang around people who eat donuts for a hobby, right? Because it's just not going to work out for you. Although, I might join that latter group. I, I might just join the donut people because I, I kind of like those Krispy Kremes. How about you? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not going to go there. We'll just move on, okay? People said that they didn't realize what they were doing because here's the deal. People think they're connected today because they have a lot of followers, have a lot of people on Instagram, have a lot of people on Facebook. They have a lot of followers, but they say that they don't have that intimate connection with people that they're really longing for. They got a lot of acquaintances, but they don't have a lot of close personal friends. In fact, we said 25 years ago, everybody had at least six friends. Today, they might have two friends. Last week, I had you write down your friends' names, and, and probably you wrote down a couple of people. If you were to write down your close friends, these are the people that you really can be honest with and talk to. A lot of people, you don't have a lot of friends today. And, and they said 25% of people don't have one individual, one friend 
that they're close to, not one. Because what's happened in social media is that without realizing it, we've just kind of put ourselves at a length from other people. We don't really talk to people face-to-face anymore. We don't have relationships. And sociologists say there are three types of poverty today. There is material poverty, those who don't have enough resources for life. There's spiritual poverty, those who are not growing in their faith. They're not uh, close to God. They, they don't know how to get close to God. They don't know how to help other people get close to God. And then the third one is the one that's really growing, and that's relational poverty. I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody that I can really talk to and turn to. And you're looking for intimacy and community. In fact, if you've never been to a third world country, how many of you have been to a third world country on a mission trip? Okay, well, if you've never been, you ought to go and, and because you'll learn some things there. It'll be a blessing for you to go help people, but you'll also be blessed by being there. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go, and you're going to be devastated by the things that they don't have. No running water, no toilet, no electricity. But by day three or four, what's going to happen is you're going to start to get jealous of these folks because what you see is they have a tremendous intimacy with God. They don't have a lot of other distractions to keep them away. And so their friends and their family, they mean a lot to them. And they're very close to God and to one another. And if you go back and come back to America after you've been on a mission trip like that, and you see that, that you're missing out on so much that they have, we have relational poverty. And we realize that something is wrong. Something is missing. We said something is missing last week. If we don't have a relationship with God and other people like we want, we're friendships with other people. But it could be that someone is missing in your life. And that's what we want to talk about today because I'm going to talk to you about your friends. Now, the key thought for today is you might be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Just one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. In fact, in Acts the Apostle Paul's life was changed by a friendship. It says there in Acts, the ninth chapter, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now, let me stop right there. Leave that up. Just leave it. That's good. That's good. That's good. Just leave it right there because I'm going to come back to it in just a minute. Here's what I want you to see. Saul was this guy's name before God changed his name, Okay. So in the New Testament, you read about Saul, and Saul was a guy who persecuted Christians. In fact, he killed them, and he was very zealous. He was, he was very sincere about it, man. He was out to get them, and so he was walking to Damascus, and the Lord blinded him, and he was blind for three days, and God worked in his life, and he came to know that there really was a true God. And through that, he became just as zealous to share the faith as he had been to persecute the faith. And so God changed his name from Saul to Paul. He became the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And God used him in a powerful, powerful way. Now here's what I want you to catch about this though. It goes on to say, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the Apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Here's what I want you to catch. They knew about Saul. He shows up. The disciples are going. He may just be saying he's a disciple, but he kills Christians. I'm not so sure I trust him. 
But Barnabas, who's heard him preach, says, no, he's for real. <laughs> this dude got saved, and he's really here, and he's going to tell you like it is. It's powerful. He couldn't do this without God. And so I want you to know he's real. One person changed things around for him. He said, he's okay. He's all right. You can accept him. You can believe in him because he's real. And so that changed the, the future of his life. And, and listen, we're still talking about Paul today because he wrote most of the New Testament. You know, one person, that was pivotal, that that one person vouched for him. He stood up for him. He said, he's a Christian. He's genuine. He's real. God used one person. And that changed his whole destiny. And the same is true for you. You may have one friend that you're one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Now, everybody needs three types of friends. Look at the person next to you and say, you need three friends. Go ahead and tell them right now. I did that in the 830 service, and I, I, they just went off. I don't know what that led them to, but I just kind of had to wait for them to quit talking. I don't, know, I don't know if they elaborated on what kind of friends they needed or... You know, you need a friend, you need one friend, you need three friends. But man, they really, you enjoyed that too, apparently, huh? Well, just, I'm glad to hear that. Good, okay? But we need three types of friends, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I'm going to use King David for us to learn about that, okay? King David is in the New Testament, or the Old Testament, I'm sorry. And, and he has three friends. He has Samuel, Jonathan, and Nathan. Three friends who helped him become who God wants him to be. The first one is Samuel, and Samuel is a friend who makes you better. Everybody needs a friend who makes them better, and that's what David had in Samuel. Let me give you the context. God had rejected King Saul. Now, this is going to really confuse some people. We just got through talking about Saul in the New Testament, and God changed him to Paul. He changed his name, and his whole life changed, right? Okay, different guy. We were talking about the New Testament. This is Saul in the Old Testament, okay? And he's a king. And the deal is that God rejects him. And why does he reject him? Because over and over and over again, he's disobedient to God. God will say, do this, and he won't do it. He'll tell him, oh, he gives him multiple chances, and he just doesn't do it the way God is asking him to do it. He won't be obedient to God. And so God rejects him. And then he goes to Samuel, this prophet, and he says, I want you to anoint a new king, and I'm going to tell you who it is. He said, you go to the house of Jesse. Jesse's got a lot of sons. I want you to go to his house, and I'm going to tell you which one. So Samuel goes in, and he's there, and he sees the oldest. And, man, he looks like a king. This guy looks like Mr. GQ. I mean, he's just big and tall and good-looking, and he's the guy. And he looks at him, and he says, is this him, Lord? And God said, nope, that's not him. He goes, okay. So he goes to the, yeah. People got excited about him because he was good looking. I, what can I tell you? So then they go to the second brother, and, and he goes, what about this one? He looks the part, too. Nope, that's not him. And he goes all the way down the line. He's got all these brothers in there, and God says, none of them. And so he looks at Jesse and goes, you got any more kids? <laughs> he says, well, yeah, there's David. He's the run of the litter. He's out there tending the sheep. Bring him in. So they bring him in, and God says to Samuel, that's him, rise up and go and anoint him. He is the one. And so that, that's what he did. Rise up and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel, he says, uh, took the horn uh, of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. This, on that day the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then God used him. Now here's what I want you to see. 
Nobody saw in David what God saw in David. Did you catch that? Everybody just kind of discounted David. Well, he's just the baby brother. Who's he? Nobody really paid attention to him, but God saw him. He said, now here's the deal. He said, you do like everybody else. When you look at people, you look on the outside. But God says, when I look at people, I look at the heart. And here's a guy after my own heart. And this is the guy who's going to be king. But he allowed Samuel to see in David what he saw. Now listen. If you'll ask God, he'll show you stuff. <laughs> if you ask God, show me, show me from your perspective, Lord. Show me through your eyes. Help me to see the way you see. Help me to hear the way you hear. Help me to think the way you think. Lord, I, I want you to just open my eyes and show me what you want me to see so that I might be faithful and obedient to you. God allowed him to see it, and he looked at David. He said, David, God can do more through you than you could ever imagine. He's going to work in your life, and it changed the course of his destiny. Now, here's the thing. How do we make friends? Most of us make friends accidentally. Well, maybe we run into guys at the gym where we work out or buddies from the office. Or maybe you're a mom who's got a bunch of moms around you and you're all soccer moms and all your kids are playing soccer. And so you're there at the field together, hanging out together. Or maybe you sit next to somebody in English lit class and you made friends with them. I don't know. But let me ask you a question. Do your friends make you better? Do your friends make you better? Because you could be one friend away from changing your destiny. Do you have somebody in your life who makes you better about the things that are important? This is a person who encourages you in your marriage. And you look at their marriage and you say, man, I'm inspired by your marriage. I want to learn from you on how to have a great marriage. You're hanging around with people who eat donuts in the lobby and you're trying to get in shape. It's just not going to work, is it? You want to be a better leader, you got to hang around leaders. You want to be better with your finances, you got to hang around with people who are good at finances. You got to hang around with people who make you better. And also, God wants to use you to make other people better. He can work through your life as well. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. See, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We're supposed to help each other become better, become more of who God called us to be. We need someone to make us better. Now, second, David also had a friend named Jonathan, and we need a friend who helps us find spiritual strength. We need a friend who helps us. If you've got somebody who's growing in their faith and they're your friend and they help you grow, you can help them grow. And it's just a tremendous thing that that happens. Every one of us needs a good friend who helps us grow spiritually. So let me fast forward into David's story, okay? God says, David's the guy. They anoint him with oil. He becomes the king and he goes to war and he becomes a war hero and all the women start singing songs about him. When they come back from war, they sing about Saul, and they say Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And boy, Saul didn't like that, did he? In fact, he got jealous of David. He got so jealous that he decided not to let him be in his group anymore, right? What he did was he said, I'm going to kill him. That's what he said, and he was, he was serious about it. He was going to kill him. And so we pick up the story there in 1 Samuel 23. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, 
he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. There's two things I want you to see there. One is that Saul really is serious about killing David. The second one is that it's Saul's son Jonathan, who's a very good friend of David's, who comes out to bring strength to him when he needs it. He comes out to stand with him in the desert. And what he's saying is, is that my dad is not being obedient to God, but you are, and I'm here for you, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to stand with you, and I'm going to encourage you in the Lord. I'm going to help you with spiritual strength. And when everybody walks out, I'm still going to be there with you. And I'm not just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to pray that you get strength in the Lord. Have you ever had one of those days when you're just physically depleted because you've been working so much? And you felt like you weren't making a difference and you were discouraged. And a friend can come up and say, now look, here's what's going on. Objectively, the reason you're discouraged and down is because you're being persecuted by the enemy because you're doing all this stuff for God and he doesn't like it. And that's really what's going on with you. And so I'm going to stand with you and encourage you and I'm going to pray for you and we're going to do this together and you're going to make it. And if you're being persecuted, it's actually a blessing because that's what the Bible says because you're doing it for God, right? And then number two, you don't think you're making a difference, but I want you to know you're making a difference. And then they start telling you all the things you're doing to make a difference. And you go, well, I forgot about that. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, do you remember when you said this? Or do you remember when you did this? Or do you remember when? And, and I go, no. <laughs> and they go, well, you did. And it really helped me. And I'm going, okay, well, great. And, and that happens. That happens. It blows my mind, but it happens because it's a divine appointment. God really does it. I just get a front row seat to watch it, and I celebrate it and move on, right? But, but see, that's what God does. He works through your life and mine to encourage each other. And if you've got a friend who will pray for you, that will make all the difference for you. I'm talking about somebody who wakes up in the middle of the night and said, you, you know, last night I, you were on my heart. I woke up and I prayed for you for about an hour and a half. I don't know what was going on, but I prayed for you. You know, there's spiritual warfare going on. You know that, right? And we can't see. We think, I prayed, but nothing happened. And the Bible says, I was trying to get there, but, but the, the prince of Persia was holding me back. You know, I, I started coming the day you started praying. But I'm just now getting here because I had to fight. There was a spiritual battle going on. But don't think I'm not listening to your prayers. Don't think that I'm not responding. Don't think that God's not paying attention because he is. We just don't see all that. You have people who help you with your spiritual strength. You may be one friend away from changing your destiny. And when you lift up others, it helps them in the things that matter most. So go look for those kind of friends, friends who will make you better and friends who will help you with your spiritual strength. Now, third and finally, there's Nathan. In the life of David, he's a friend who will tell you the truth. Everybody needs a friend who will tell you the truth. When I was dating this girl in high school, she would always tell me what I wanted to hear, and I knew I didn't need to marry her. I needed to marry somebody who would tell me the truth. And boy, were my prayers answered. <laughs> Laura will tell me the truth. She has a gift of telling me the truth. Now, now she's, she's learned, because we've been married all these years, she's learned not to tell me right after church about my sermon, okay? She won't say anything. After the 940 service, she won't be telling me on the way to the 11 o'clock service. Boy, you really stunk that one up today, you know? She won't tell me that. She'll wait till like Wednesday, and then she'll give me something good to eat, and then she'll hit me with it, right? 
But, you know, that's what you need. You need somebody who will tell you the truth. That's, that's the best thing they can do for you. You need friends like that. And that's what happened to David. Here's a guy who's a man after God's own heart. And he, he has his eyes on God, but he took them off and put them on Bathsheba. Bathsheba's taking a bath, and he sees her, and he goes, hey, bring her over here. Now, that's Uriah's wife. Uriah is one of his soldiers. But David, he's got all kinds of things, but he goes after her. And so he brings her over there and sleeps with her. And what happens is she gets pregnant. So he says, i got to fix this. So he calls Uriah home from battle. He says, hey, go home, wash your face, sleep with your wife, have a good time, rest, and then go back to the battle. And he says, I'm not going to do that. All my buddies are still on the front. I'm not coming home till they come home. And he gives him a second chance. He gets him drunk. And he says, let's try this again, once more with feeling. But it didn't happen. And now David doesn't know what to do. And so what does he do? He sends Uriah into battle, and he tells the guy running the battle, he says, listen, when he gets out in front there, pull back and let him get killed. And that's what he did. And Uriah died. And then David took Bathsheba for his own. So here comes Nathan, and Nathan goes to tell David what he's done. He said, David, let me tell you a little story. He said there was this one guy who had more sheep and more cattle than anybody could ever imagine. He had everything he could ever want. He said there was this other real poor guy. He was dirt poor, man. All he had was one little lamb, and it was like a pet to him. It even slept with him at night. And he said, let me tell you what happened. A stranger came. When that stranger came, this rich guy who had everything, instead of taking one from his flock, he took that one little lamb that that one poor guy had, and he slaughtered it, and he fed it to the person who was passing through. And boy, David got hot about it. He said, that's just not right. That guy ought to be taken out for that. And then Nathan looked at David, and he pointed a bony little finger, and he said, you are the man. And, man, David was just convicted. He just saw for the first time what he hadn't seen before. He saw it for real because somebody told him the truth. And when he saw it, it just broke his heart. And when he saw it, he just turned to God. And if you want to know how he responded, write down Psalm 51 because that's what he wrote right after that happened. And David just poured his heart out to God. And he asked God to forgive him because of what he had done. When's the last time you had a friend who loved you enough to tell you the truth? You know, there's a lot of times we want to tell our friends the truth because it'd be the best thing for them. But we struggle with doing that. What you're doing is not going to work. What you're doing is going to hurt your marriage. What you're doing is going to affect your testimony. What you're doing is going to mess up your relationship with God. But we're afraid. We're afraid to tell them the truth. We have, you have something that, that they don't see, and you need to have faith. Someone who will tell you the truth. Because we'll never become who we need to be if we're relationally impoverished, and God wants to work through other people. He wants us to do life together. He wants us to pour into one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another. And he wants us to bless one another and give to one another, and he wants us to exhort one another. For some of us, when we look at our lives, you know, you may be caught up in an addiction. You need a friend to help you out. Maybe you're headed for divorce. Some of you may be headed for jail if things don't change. You need some good friends. The majority of you are not going to go to jail, but you need somebody who will lead you in an opposite direction. Many of you may just be hanging out with people who are just kind of lukewarm. Everything's comfortable. We don't have to do anything one extreme or the other. And, and that's right where Satan wants you to be. And so you're, you're not going to grow. You're never going to be satisfied there. You don't know there's anything wrong. You may be one friend away from seeing a great marriage. 
or being the great parent you need to be or being more generous with your time and resources. You may be one friend away from kicking that addiction. You may be one friend away from learning how that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to treat it as such. You may be one friend away from tapping into the power of God in your life. You may be one friend away from a divine purpose. God's got something special for you to do. And he's just waiting for your life to be in a position where you can do it. And there may be some of you today who are one friend away from knowing Jesus Christ. God's going to bring somebody into your life, and that person's going to introduce you to Jesus, and it's going to make all the difference in the rest of your life. Your whole destiny is going to change because you are open to that possibility. Now, I want to wrap it up with this. I want to tell you a story, okay? There was a, a life group. This really happened. There was a life group, a group of people that met together, and they prayed for one another, and they were honest with each other and transparent, and they encouraged one another, and they, they did life together. And it was a college and career young adult group. And this one guy opened up and confessed sin. Whenever, whenever a person confesses sin, some of the great revivals have broken out because somebody just opened up and told the truth. And they said, help me, pray for me. I need help. And so this guy said, look, I got a problem and I need you to help me. I can't kick it on my own. I, I need your help. And he said, I, I'm, I'm caught up in pornography and I need you to pray for me encourage me and there was a girl there for the first time she'd never been to that group before and in her mind she's thinking these Christian people are gonna eat him alive because that's what Christians do but that's not what they did they just prayed for him and surrounded him and encouraged him and lifted him up and they said we're gonna hold you accountable we're gonna help you and together we're gonna see you be victorious over this and that girl then because of the way they responded she had the guts to open up. She said, let me tell you about me. I'm a single mom, and I got a three-year-old daughter. And she said, the only way I can make a living is to be a stripper. And I got saved recently, and I hate it. And I don't want to do it anymore, but I got to pay the bills. And I don't know what else to do. And I need your help. And she just broke down in tears. And one guy said, first time she'd ever been here, one guy said, if you'll stop, I'll help you pay your bills. Another one said, hey, I'll kick in and I'll help too. Another couple said, hey, I'll, I'll kick in and I'll help too. And just one by one, everybody in the group said, we will help you with your finances. We'll take care of you until you get another job. So you know what happened? The next day, she went in and quit. And it wasn't any time until she got another job. She never would have done that if she hadn't had that encouragement and strength from that life group, doing life together. I mean, being real. And because of that, <laughs> you think that changed her life? She wasn't just one friend away. She was one group away from her whole destiny changing, and, and her daughter, too. Did you know that we have people here at the church that help with that ministry? Do you know we have people here who have a heart for those who are trapped in that kind of lifestyle. And what they do is, is they go and minister to them and they try to help them if they want to get out of that. They try to help them and, and they, they will talk to them about Jesus. They'll lead them to Christ. They'll help them to learn what it means to do something else with their life. They'll give them the encouragement they need. They'll, they'll stand in the gap for somebody who's far from God. 
and it's called lavished ministries. Don't you think that's what Jesus would do? Don't you think he smiles when that happens? So today, when you leave in, in the cafe, there'll be somebody there to talk to you about it. Maybe you'd like to just add them to your prayer list, or maybe you'd like to add them to a, a gift that you want to make. Maybe you'd like to support them. You know, it takes money to help people change their lifestyle. You can write a check to Woodlawn and just designate it for that. Don't you think that's what God would do? Father, we're just so grateful for friends. We're just so grateful for you. And Lord, you send us friends. And, and when we become Christians, we don't know what you're going to do, but you take care of us. And you provide for us. And, and you give us what we need. And, and we're not even smart enough to know how to ask, but, but you provide in a way that only you can. And so today, Lord, I pray that we would realize that that we would know that you are the source of all the answers in our life. You're the one. And we're so grateful for that. And Lord, I pray that we might be grateful for the friends that you send us. Lord, I'm grateful for a wife who will tell me the truth. I'm grateful for friends who will tell me the truth. And I pray that I might be that kind of friend to those around me. Lord, I just pray for your perfect will for each person who's here today and for those who are far from this place, but, but you're going to use somebody here to reach them for the kingdom. We celebrate that. We thank you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.